0: Hear the word of the Lord in Philippians 3, 7 through 14. I am using the English Standard Version. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So can I just say how weird it is to see your face on a screen? And like we've been rolling through these pictures the last couple of days. It's, it's weird to see yourself in a slideshow. I don't know if you guys <laughs> hear, your own, hear your own stuff read. So, uh, But we are, we are excited to be here. Thank you guys for... Uh, for allowing us that opportunity, um, it's it's good to be with y'all. Uh, okay, so wait, do y'all use do y'all use the word y'all around here? That's that's a re- an interesting question. Like second person plural, do you use the word y'all? Who who does? Who, there's a few of you. Okay, okay, because it's a really good word. I, I was reading about it. It's it's a really helpful thing. English never came up with a second person plural word. Most every other language has you know a second person plural. We don't have it. So, so some of you guys say you all or I think use guys is a thing in other places. Uh, I don't know what, what you guys use but um, y'all it, 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 if, even if I don't mean to I'm probably going to just say it. So uh, but it, it's been fun. We've, we've learned a few new words kind of from our time uh, being around here. Um, words that I'd never heard before. Um, Kitty corner. Is that okay I I got to hear that one uh, a few times. The the thing that's adjacent across the street adjacent, you guys say do you guys all say kitty corner? Is that okay. Yeah. In Texas they say caddy corner. I guess it's just a grown-up kitty, but it's caddy <laughs> caddy corner is what we we say. Or or the 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 thing a machine that water comes out that you drink. What do you guys call that? I I heard somebody call it a bubbler. Or, there's a bubbler over here. Okay, good. I, saw, I heard it at some point uh, up here, at one, and so I, that was a new word uh, for me. Or, or what do you guys call um, carbonated sugary drinks? Pop. Okay. <laughs> Pop is, yeah. Some of you guys say sodas. Um, just a disclaimer, anybody from Texas, <laughs> we call everything Cokes. So Cokes is the word for every. So you'll, if you ever hear me say that, it's I'm meaning the, the general uh general term for all things soda or pop uh is a coke so so let me just give you a very texas sentence this is you'll hear something like this a lot hey do y'all want to go to that store catty corner to the church and get a coke <laughs> sure a person would respond what kind of coke do you want a dr pepper <laughs> you guys know what dr peppers are right yeah okay they're the they're the official coke of Texas, so, um, but it, it really has been been fun. So this morning, um, I want to take you guys uh, on on a blast from the past, and, and I need you to participate to tell me if you were in high school or college anywhere from the '60s to the two th- early 2000s. I want you to raise your hand. '60s, okay, that's a lot of you guys. Good. Uh, Okay, do you remember, I'm going to show you a picture. I want to see if you guys recognize these things. Do you guys, you guys know those things? What are those called? Cliff notes. Cliff notes. Yeah, okay, perfect. Um, these little books helped lots of people prepare when they didn't do what they were supposed to do, right? They were uh, kind of last minute. Hey, have you got the cliff notes for, for that? And uh, you could read the little book without having to read the big book, and it would give you all the main points, all the things that you needed, needed to know. All right, so if you were in high school or college in the 2000s and uh, beyond, I want you to raise your hand. Not, okay, there's got to be a couple of you. Good. There's Yeah. Okay, thank you. Good. Um, you guys don't use Cliff Notes anymore. What do you guys use? What, what's, what are they called now? Wikipedia, Wiki, Wikipedia Google. Uh, Spark Notes, as anybody knows, Spark Notes is what students use now. They've never, they've never seen the... Uh, Cliff Notes book because why would you buy a book? You can, uh, you wouldn't have to do that. You just go to SparkNotes, and SparkNotes even have videos. So you don't even have to read. You can just watch the SparkNote video that tells you about the book you were supposed to read. It's, it's great. Um, and, and so you know all those kinds of information, Wikipedia and Google and all those things. There, there we found them helpful uh, in, in certain parts of our lives. But essentially what they are is is they're an attempt at a shortcut, right? At knowledge, a a shortcut to get what we want to know. Um, And we we do this all the time. Did you guys know that there are YouTube videos that will teach you um, how to play any song in the world on piano? But you don't have to read music. You don't have to know anything about chords. You don't even have to know the names of the notes. Right? You just watch the video and you you mimic what they do. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, bum, 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 bum. And you can watch the video and it'll show you in steps how to play some famous song. You don't have to know anything about piano. You can learn how to play that song. You don't know anything about that song, but you can know how to play it by watching YouTube. Or or maybe you do what I do all the time. Uh, I call myself a YouTube mechanic. Right? Anytime something goes wrong in my car, I Google it. Why does it make this sound? Why is it doing this? And you start going through the list of things that it could possibly be. And then you type in the name of your car and changing lugs on whatever. And guess what? There's going to be some, some really smart guy who's made a video for the rest of us on how to do it. And so I can do anything on my car as long as there's a YouTube video. And it takes me three times as long as the video shows me how to do it. Because I'm not an expert. I'm not a true mechanic. But I've taken a shortcut to knowledge. Um, I, I, you don't want me working on your car, right? I don't have any true expertise. I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't have wisdom in, in fixing anything, right? You don't want me working on your house, but I can figure it out by a YouTube video. Um, I, I can do those things. I've taken a shortcut to some basic knowledge. And, and you and I live in a, in a, in a culture of shortcuts, right? WebMD has made us All doctors, right? We can we can go to the doctor and tell them, "Hey, I already know what I have. I looked it up, and this is the thing." Right here, here you go. Um, We want what we want in a hurry. We don't want to have to go through the process of of actual knowledge, of actual wisdom. It's just giving you the shortcut to that. Um, We expect everything to be rushed, everything to be expedited, everything faster, everything quicker. And and I will say that that this kind of culture of immediacy has been has been good. We've seen benefits in, in things like our computer download speeds, right? And if you remember the beginning of the internet, right, and the dial-up time, right, we love things that are going faster than they used to be. Um, and, and we love that we can get medical tests online, right? We can get an email when it tells us the, the results of something, right? It, it's, it's, it's pretty nice in some things. But, but I will tell you that I think, I think this culture of shortcuts has been bad uh, for a lot of the m- matters of faith, things about our spiritual lives. And this morning, I want to suggest to you that, that our faith is meant to be a lifelong journey. Um, one, and then there's no shortcuts in it, right? I, I, it's important that we don't try to skip through the different parts of, of the journey, the parts of, of, our, of, our, of our spiritual life. We don't, we don't try to take shortcuts through that. And so I want to pray for our time together as we go to God's word, um, and then we'll look at Psalm 120. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for what you intend to do with it in our lives. Father, we... We need your hope, we need your wisdom, we need the words of truth. So God, would you give us insight, and more than that, would you, would you work in our hearts that we would know you more in this time. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd ask you to turn to Psalm 120. We're going to read uh, all seven verses. The Song of Ascents. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you, and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush, Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. So I already know what you're thinking. (laughs) This was not the passage I was expecting for this morning. Right? It's a little, little weird. Well, Hopefully I can, I can give you a little bit of background. I want to tell you a little bit about Psalm 120 as we go, and, and maybe it'll make a little more sense as we, as we move forward. Psalm 120 is the first psalm uh, in a group of psalms called the Songs of Ascent. The Songs of Ascent. Um, the, the Songs of Ascent are, are Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. So there's 15 of them in total, 15 Psalms of Ascent. And, and, and scholars kind of have two main theories as, as to why they are called the Songs of Ascent. The first one in the, the lesser held view um, is that there, are, there in fact were 15 steps of the platform of the temple. And so some think that each of the Psalms were, would be recited by, by, um, by God's people as they walked up each step. They would say a psalm and then take the next step up, and then by the time they got to the top of the platform, they were at the temple. And so some people think that's why they were called that, right? And everybody would, would have had these memorized, of course, and, and, and have recited them on their way up the steps. The, the more commonly held, the more popular view is that the Songs of Ascent uh, would be what we could, would call the pilgrim songs, Pilgrim songs, meaning uh, these are the songs of of believers as they were traveling to Jerusalem. This is what this is what was sung as they traveled to Jerusalem. You see, uh, God's people were called to come to Jerusalem at least three times a year. There were there were festivals three times a year where where they would go to Jerusalem, no matter where they were from. That was the journey, and so um, the. The, the 15 songs would be the ones that were recited during that time. So, you know, if you live 50 miles away or 100 miles away, you know, it took you several days of a journey to get there, these would be the songs that you and your family would sing on your way, the songs of ascent. Um, you know, just imagine groups of people, big, big groups of people singing these songs together on their journey upward, ascending to Jerusalem. And so... Uh, geographically Jerusalem was the highest point around so anywhere you came from it would be a journey of ascent right you would start somewhere low and work your way up to the top uh, in Jerusalem uh, it's neat to kind of think through Jesus right and his family we know as a, as a boy when they traveled to Jerusalem imagine them singing the songs of ascent as they worked their way up to go to the temple And so we're going to talk more about this this idea, about these pilgrim songs in just a few minutes, but but I, I do want to look at the contents of Psalm 120. How does it start? I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. It starts by seeking the Lord's help with a remembrance that the Lord hears us in our distress. That's how this psalm begins. And I think that's a great place for all of us to start in our lives, in our times of distress, is to remember to call upon the Lord in those times and to know that he's going to listen, know that he's going to answer us. That's where we start all the time. I think we cause ourselves a lot of pain in our lives when we forget to begin there. Um, We try every which way and and get ourselves into a mess and then we go, hey, can you help me? Right? And the the earlier we start here, I'm in distress. God, I know you're going to answer. I know you're a part of this. Will you hear me? That's where we start. And so then I want you to look at verse 2. We're going to pay special attention to this. So so hear it again. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and deceitful tongues. This isn't the most feel-good psalm I could have picked, right? You're probably thinking that. This isn't incredibly feel-good, right? But um, lying lips and deceitful tongues. Do, do you do you all ever get overwhelmed in your current situation? Do you ever look at the world around you and think, I, I just can't handle this. I don't know where, I, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know where we are. I don't know how to, how to handle this situation. We live in a, a lawless, heartless world of fake news, right? Who knew that was a thing? Insider trading, right? Reality shows that are, Anything but reality, right? They're all scripted. They're all made up. None of them are real. We, we live in a world where everyone gets to create their own truth. And, and in a world where everybody gets to create their own truth, there's no such thing as truth, and there only is chaos. That's what you and I live in. That's, that's the world around us. And, and, and I would say Christians like the people who sang these songs of ascent. They're supposed to see themselves as, as pilgrims. And I love that word, pilgrims. Travelers who are going somewhere, but, but are not home yet, right? Going somewhere, on, on the road to somewhere, but not home yet. And, and, and you and I both know that living as pilgrims is tough here. It's, it's tough. You, you and I are in a society that wants us to acquiesce to this place to, to take our shoes off and to feel at home and, and, and to get comfortable here to, to settle down and to be content to find this as our home and that's not the journey of a pilgrim recognizing that, that this is a land of lies and deceit is, is a huge first step to starting our, our journey as pilgrims this is a land of deceit and that's how we start our journey Uh, Eugene Peterson says uh, this about our passage this morning. He says, Psalm 120 is the the decision to take one way over the other. It is the turning point marking the transition from a dreamy nostalgia for a better life to a rugged pilgrimage of discipleship and faith. From complaining about how bad things are to pursuing all things good. And he says the first step towards God is a step away from the lies of the world. The usual biblical world describing the no we say to the world's lies and the yes we say to God's truth is the word repentance. It is always and everywhere the first word in the Christian life repentance, recognizing we live in a land of lies and turning away from it. I don't want to live in a land of lies anymore, right? That's the first step of the pilgrim journey, recognizing that this isn't the home we're supposed to be in and going somewhere else. This is a turning point for us. And so we'll come back to this in just a second. Verses 3 and 4 are verses where the pilgrim is clinging to the promises of God's justice and judgment on the evil that they see around them, realizing God has got to be able to deal with this. He's going to deal with this someday. And so then I want to transition into verses 5 through 7. Let's read those again. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of kedar Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This sounds like a person who's fed up. The person who's fed up of living in a world of lies. Fed up with a world that doesn't live for God. A person who is waking up to the truth, waking up to the heart of God. That's what this sounds like to me. Most scholars think that Meshech and, and Kedar they were on the very far extreme out, outer edges. They're outside of, of Israel as we think of it. And, and because they're in different directions, but, but both far away from Jerusalem, the idea is that they're representative. They're representative of, of being outsiders, of being as, you know, what well, we would say, oh, you're over in Egypt, way out there, right? As far as you can be. They're, they're representative. And, and for p- the pilgrims of this time, they understood what that meant, right? Because these are people who had been forced uh, to leave their homeland. They were forced uh, to move. They understood the heartbreak of living in Meshach. They didn't want to live there, but they had to. They were forced to. They knew the pain of having to, to reside in Kadar, uh, when they when they longed to be home. And and this is the journey. This is the song of a pilgrim. And this is what we're we're hearing the cries of, of these people today. And I quoted from Eugene Peterson just a minute ago. He's he's a, an author that, that I love. Uh, he wrote a book about the songs of ascent. Some of you may have may have read his book. Uh, it's titled "A Long Obedience in the Same Direction." Uh, beautiful, amazing book. And and Eugene writes about it. He saw in these 15 psalms a a journey, right? He would call it a a path of discipleship. And and so his book is based on this this idea that that just like the pilgrims of Jerusalem who are headed home, we can find lessons uh, on being disciples in a faraway land uh, and and, and listening and learning from these 15 songs that they sang along the way of the place that they, they wanted to be more than any. Why do I I tell you all this? Why why are we talking about the songs of ascent? Why why are we talking about that this morning? Do you guys know the season that we're in right now? What season are we in? Yeah, I heard it—Lent, right? We are in. This is officially the second Sunday of Lent. Uh, Lent is is normally—they call it the forty days before Easter. If you don't count the Sundays, right? So if you start at, at Ash Wednesday, it's actually 46 days, but they don't count the Sundays uh, during that time. So just say 40 days. Um, and, and Lent is, is traditionally, you probably are familiar, a, a time that is set aside for fasting and for prayer and, and for reflection. And, and the, the purpose of all that reflection is, is to prepare our hearts for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the purpose of, of Lent is, is preparation of our hearts. Now, because I'm just giving one sermon, I'm not doing a series on Lent. I don't have enough time to say all that I would want to tell you about, about that. But, but I'll just just tell you that I think Lent, um, even though, all right, it's not in Scripture or anything like that, I think as long as Lent isn't observed in some legalistic, you know, browbeating, uh, make yourself, uh, you know, trying to earn some sort of forgiveness or God's love or anything like that, I, I think if we're not doing those things, I think it can be very helpful. I think Lent can be a helpful process. The journey to the cross, the journey to the resurrection. And and so just quickly, I want to share a little bit of why I think that's helpful. Um, In in the New Testament uh, passage that we we read this morning, we got to hear the heart of Paul. We got to hear kind of the heart of why he got out of bed in the morning. What did he do? Why was he doing what he did? What was his passion? What What was his focus in life? And if you heard, if you heard it, you would, you would know his answer was to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know everything about him. I want to know the, the sufferings. I want to know the power. I want to know the resurrection. I want to know everything about Christ. That was his motivation. And he did all kinds of things in ministry, and he helped all kinds of people. He traveled. But his heart was about knowing Christ. In fact, he, he tells us in that passage that everything else is garbage right? Everything else in my life, all the achievements that I had, all the status that I had, it's all garbage. I just want to know Christ now. He has given everything else up in his life for that pursuit. And he finally he, he says, I love the way he says it, he forgets everything that is behind, right? His triumphs, his failures, the things that he used to be about, all of that he forgets what it's behind. And he strives toward his only goal, the thing that is ahead. And what is that? Knowing Christ for eternity. Knowing what Christ has already done for him. And that gets me thinking again about the Jerusalem pilgrims. For hundreds of years, these pilgrims who would get up and, and, and make this journey to take the road from Meshech and Kedar to go to Jerusalem. That was their version of Lent. That was the process of preparation of their hearts. They had to go through the ups and downs, you would say, of the, of the dusty road to get where they wanted to be. And I'm sure if they would have had their choice, they would have just taken a plane, right? They would have been there by lunchtime. They would have just gotten to Jerusalem and been able to stay there, not even have to go home, go back. The path of discipleship for them was full of ups and downs and valleys and deserts and um, all kinds of things, the same things that you and I Go through. Easter is not too far away. It will it will be here before before we know it. And and it's easy for us to just kind of fast forward to it, right? To just start pre you know preparing for that and, and getting ready for for Easter. To shortcut, right? To take the shortcut. Let's just get to Resurrection Sunday. That's the good stuff. Let's just be there. Let's just stay there. Why right? can't we just? Stay at Easter. But, but let me suggest to you again that there are no shortcuts in the life of following Christ, in a life of discipleship. And Lent is, Lent is for us the reminder um, that discipleship is a lifelong journey, a, lo- a long obedience in the same direction. Doesn't sound very exciting, right? It's hard to sing about songs about a long obedience in the same direction. It doesn't sell. Because we want the shortcut. We want the power. We want the amazing miracle and amazing experience. But Christ would tell us it's the journey. It's the journey of discipleship. And I don't know what your journey from Meshech looks like. It's it's probably very different than mine. But I know that God wants us to remember that we're pilgrims. Don't get too comfortable here. This isn't our home. This world isn't our home. We're not supposed to stay in Meshech. We're not supposed to live in Kedar. But instead, we're supposed to take this journey. We're supposed to be pilgrims on the journey home. And that journey starts with repenting, recognizing the lies of the world around us, with recognizing that we have lingered too long, we have gotten too comfortable here. The problem with living in a land of shortcuts is that we assume everything should be simple, everything should be quick, everything should be easy. And a life of faith is none of that. It's a, it's a lifelong journey, right, where you and I have to decide every day we have to just surrender to God, we have to surrender to His plans. And again, this doesn't sell well. Uh, there's not great songs about this today. We get up and we have to reject the lie that this world has everything that we need and everything we could ever want. Because that's the message that we're, we've been given. We have to reject. We have to seek Him. We have to uh, recognize that He alone is enough. So let us turn away from the lie that we have everything that we need, that, that this is the best possible thing for us we have to reject that lie we have to turn away and walk the lot, the road of a pilgrim and so we focus what lies have we been following what lies have have led you from christ in this season in your life lately what have you been following i know there are plenty in my own if i stop and reflect which is what we're supposed to be doing now reflecting what, what lies have i been listening to Practically speaking, when we increase our time in reflection, our time in prayer, our time in Scripture, and focusing on the truth to defeat the lies in us, our hearts naturally grow closer to Christ. They naturally take this journey to Him. Pilgrims have always used prayer and Scripture and reflection. And that is still the call for us today. Lent is not a a list of good deeds or earning anything. It's it's a process of the heart where we work like Paul so that we can say as we saw in Philippians 3. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love the Imagery in the book of Joel in chapter 2, a beautiful chapter uh, in the midst of terrible things. Uh, Joel 2 is, is God sharing a lot that's about to happen to his people, and it's going to be hard. But, but in it, listen to this, verses 12 and 13. He, he says this is how he wants his people to respond, in a world of lies, in a world of disaster. He says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your hearts, rend your hearts, not your garments. Don't tear your garments as a display, he says. Rend your hearts. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. There are no shortcuts in this journey, but one thing is always clear, and it is my prayer for us, this, this Lenten season, that you would see the Lord as, his, as a merciful Father calling you home, urging you to return because He is gracious and merciful. Let's pray together. Father, we, we know the promise of Joel 2 as well that you tell us you will restore the years that the locusts have eaten you will work in our hearts to to heal us from all that we have experienced and your your heart is to overwhelm us with your kindness it is your kindness that leads to repentance as we I saw in Sunday school this morning this image of the the father running to his son, running to his prodigal son, embracing him and restoring his identity. That is true for us as well. And so where our hearts have embraced the lies of this world, where our, our hearts have chased after other things, would you restore us? Would you bring us home you help us to return because you were gracious and merciful thank you Father we ask this in Jesus name Amen